this afternoon now. <laughs> Open your Bibles to 1 Kings 20. 1 Kings 20. I'm going to read the first eight verses of that chapter, please. 1 Kings 20, verse 1 through 8. Hallelujah. Everybody have it? Okay, let's read together. Ready, read. Now Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his forces together. Thirty-two kings were with him, with horses and chariots. And he went up and besieged Samaria and made war against it. Then he sent messengers into the city to Ahab, king of Israel, and said to him, Thus says Ben-Hadad, Your silver and your gold are mine. Your loveliest wives and children. Now, that's something else, man. Every time I read that, man, that's a bad brother. Tell somebody that all your stuff is mine. Keep going, verse 4. And the king of Israel answered and said, My lord, O king, just as you say, I and all that I have are yours. Then the messengers came back and said, Thus speaks Ben-Hadad, saying, Indeed, I have sent to you, saying, You shall deliver to me your silver and your gold, your wives and your children. But I will send my servants to you tomorrow about this time, and they shall search your house and the houses of your servants, and it shall be that whatever is pleasant in your eyes, they will put it in their hands and take it. So the king of Israel called all the elders of the, Israel, of the land and said, Notice, please, and see how this man seeks trouble. For he sent to me for my wives, my children, my silver and gold, and I did not deny him. And all the elders of all the people said to him, Do not listen or consent. Praise God. So the elders of the people said to him, don't listen or consent. Today I want to talk on this subject, don't listen to the devil. Don't listen to the devil. Father, thank you today for the word we're about to receive. Speak not from heaven. We, your servants, we hear and we intend to obey. God, give us your grace, your power, your love, and your peace in this moment. Give us understanding and discernment from the word of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, take your seats. Don't listen to the devil. All right. Uh, as we've been, we began this message on last uh, Sunday, and thank God for Pastor Kim ministering so powerfully to us on Tuesday night. Come on, give God a great hand for that word we see on Tuesday night. Powerful, powerful, powerful. I was so proud to see her uh, standing once again and ministering the word of God. Uh, she already knows she is my favorite preacher on this planet. I tell her that all the time. And uh, so I enjoy hearing her. And um, sitting and receiving. Hallelujah. So last Sunday when I ministered, we were talking about how this has been a very challenging year, uh, 2020. And it's been filled with, it seems, it seems it's been filled with bad event after bad event. It seems that way. I know if you were to look back in the annals of your mind and think and Somebody would ask you, man, what do you think about 2020? The very first things that come up in your mind will always be all the bad things. This happened over here, and this happened over here, and this happened over here. But, you know, the things that happened uh, were not the majority of the things that happened this year. Can I get a witness? It's just that those bad things, those negative things, tend to stand out in your mind. Oh, I'll help somebody right here because I hear this. When people are going through marital difficulties or family, you know, parents and children, all any kind of relationship difficulties people have, people normally what stands out in their mind is all the bad stuff. But it's very rare that it's bad every day. It's very rare that it's bad every day. Now, said there are some cases. I just said it's not impossible. I said it's very rare. There are some cases where it's just bad every day. And if it's just bad every day, you need to pray my strength to the Lord that, you know, I can keep my sanity, keep my mind and stay here as long as I can to the Lord just, just show me something. <laughs> but it's generally not bad day after day after day after day. Amen? And this year has been no different. But when you check the news, when you read the reports, it's filled with negativity. It's very rare that on the news you get a good report. Hey, we got some good news today. The numbers are down. I mean, when, when is the last day you turn on the news and they say, hey, we got a COVID update, 99.93% of people actually live through it. 
I've never seen that report to this day. They only talk about who dies, supposedly from it. Right? My, my point being is that the Bible says Satan is the prince of the power of the air. But Ephesians 2 verse 2 says that. That Satan, he is the prince of the, of the power of the air. Now, there's power in the air. Now, that word air, we know is the word amy, Greek word amy, atmosphere. But I want you to see that media, media is, you know, they say we're going on air. On the news, right? We're going on air. And they're trying to air or broadcast, you make it a verb, they air information. And the Bible says Satan, he's the prince of the power of the air. Which means he controls all that. And it's, it's what's, what's wild for me is how many believers are taking their information from the media and not from the word of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Yes, and don't understand that because Satan's the prince of it or he's the one in charge of that, he's trying to disseminate his information. We understand Romans 10 and verse 17 that says faith, so then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by or hearing comes by, we can imply, the word of God. So when you hear the word of God, you receive Faith, you grow in faith. Satan knows that. Satan knows that you and I are programmed, we're built by God to, to respond to what we hear. And what we hear is always a seed. Everything you hear is a seed. Everything you watch, everything you listen to, everything you read, even everything you speak is a seed. And Satan knows that we have good ground. So he knows rather than to get to allow you time to hear the word of God, he wants to get, get people tied up and tangled up in hearing the word of the enemy, hearing the word of Satan, hearing his word. Because if faith comes by hearing the word of God, then when you hear the word of Satan, fear comes. Fear operates the exact same way as faith. Faith will draw to you the things that you want. Fear will draw to you the things that you don't want. Job 3.25, Job said the things that I feared the most has come upon me and that which I dreaded has happened to me. So when you fear, you attract what you don't want. You got it? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So he has to try to get people to listen to him. He's the prince of the power of the air. And so what he's been doing is getting information out, broadcasting, broadcasting, internet, uh, television, radio, newsprint, print media, yeah. all that kind of thing. Every way he can, every commercial, every you go to a store and they're playing on across the across the, uh, the, the the speakers on the store. Please remain six feet apart to protect everybody. We're all working together to make sure that you're everybody's safe and happy and nobody gets comes down with COVID. We're all in this together. And they just keep promoting, keep promoting, keep promoting, keep promoting. And what they're saying is is precaution, but in reality there's somebody behind it and it's the enemy and what he's doing is making sure he keeps feeding fear. You don't want to go and have Thanksgiving with your family and we're canceling Christmas because it's not safe. Oh, and the more we hear that, it's fear. And if he can get us fear, the Bible says fear has torment. So people are being tormented by this fear, and there's an onslaught of it. Y'all got it? Now, people of God, we have no reason to fear, first of all. Okay? And the Bible says in Psalm uh, 112 and verse 7, says that we should have no fear of evil tidings. We will not be afraid of evil tidings. That word tidings is an is a old English word for news. So evil or bad, so bad news should never get us fearful. Why? Because our heart is steadfast. What? How come y'all in church and you don't have no mask on? Trust in the Lord. Now, if you don't have a mask on, it's no problem. We, don't, we, we tell people, keep, keep your mask, whatever. It don't make us a difference. Wear the mask. It's whatever makes you feel comfortable. 
But what I'm saying is, because the devil's more concerned about a mass, he's, he's, that's not even, the devil's got a, a big agenda against the body of Christ and against the whole earth. See, people think the devil's just against the body of Christ. He's not just against the body of Christ, he's against all humanity. You think he's trying to get the body of Christ that he's going to let all the sinners off the hook? He hates everybody. It's just the body of Christ is in the way. See, the body of Christ is the only reason why all, all of humanity hadn't been destroyed. So the devil has to first work on get us out of the way. Then everybody else is free and vulnerable for him to just destroy them the way he really wants to destroy them. So he doesn't hate the church and love the world. The devil hates the church and he hates the world too. Are y'all following this here? Okay. Okay, so he's out to destroy everybody. So you and I are not supposed to be fearing bad news. But the key is what I want to get across to you this, this afternoon quickly is we have to stop listening to him. We've got to begin to tune him out because he's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Okay? All right, now let's look in our, in our main scripture here in 1 Kings chapter 20, please. We started this last, last Sunday, so I don't have to do much review on it, hopefully. Uh, if you haven't... Uh, if you weren't here last Sunday, you can go back and review last Sunday's message on YouTube or what, what have you. But we see here uh, Ben-Hadad. <laughs> Ben-Hadad. Told you last week, he Ben-Had some people's stuff. It's a good name for him. Says, now Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, Syria is one of Israel's uh, enemies, an arch nemesis, gathered all his forces together. Thirty-two kings were with him with horses and chariots. And he went up and besieged Samaria and made war against it. Then he sent messengers into the city, into the city, into Samaria, to Ahab, who's the king of Israel. So Samaria at this time is acting as the headquarters or the capital for Israel, right? So verse 2, he sent messengers into the city to Ahab, king of Israel, and said to them, uh, this, is, this is crazy to me, Thus says Ben-Hadad, verse 3, your silver and your gold are mine. This is a bold guy here. Your loveliest wives and children are mine. So not only am I taking all your money, but I'm taking your wives, and he said your loveliest wives. One translation said your finest wives. Now, I don't know if it meant figure or fine just meant just nice. You know, like fine flower. You follow what I'm saying? <laughs> but he's, what, he's, what he's saying is, I'm taking your best. Now, he's threatening him to take things that should be dear to Ahab. Should be dear to Ahab to the point where he's got to put up some resistance. And yet, it says in verse 4, the king of Israel answered and said, My Lord, O king, just as you say, I and all that I have are yours. Now, I told you last week, I don't understand the kind of man that just sits back and let somebody come take his money. Now, money, you, you get jacked, you know, and nothing you can do about getting jacked. You get jack man show up, and they put a, put a pistol in your side, you know, to your, you just got to let them have it. You just lay down. They say lay down, you lay down. You hear what I said? Y'all hear me? Y'all, y'all bold, you know, y'all got some... You know, renegades in here. I'm telling you, if, if he put a, a pistol in your chest, in your side, he say, lay down, you just lay down. Now, that's that he take your money. But if you say, I'm about to take your wife, you're just going to have to shoot me. Because I'm just not going to let you take my wife. You can have all my money. I can get more money. But I can't get another wife like that. And children? And yet what the devil has done strategically in our, in our society is gotten men to simply give up. 
their wives and their children, and they've they've just allowed the devil to just come in and take everything with with no resistance. Are y'all seeing this? But I want you to see, uh, we talked about this last week. He'd already surrendered too much to the enemy. Now look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. Because verse 5 is just telling to me about Benedict. About, about Ahab, rather. It says, then the messengers came back and said, thus says, thus speaks Benadad, saying, indeed I have sent to you, saying, you shall deliver to me your silver and your gold, your wives and your children. So you're going to give me all this stuff, but I will send my servants to you tomorrow about this time, and they shall search your house and all your servants' houses, and it shall be that whatever is pleasant in your eyes they're going to put it in their hands and take it. So I'm going past your wives and your children, and I'm going to go with everything I, that, that I notice. If we go by and look like we're going to touch it, and you look like you just get a little reaction, we're taking it. In other words, whatever's pleasant in your eyes, we're going to judge whether we take it or not based on how you look. Oh, you look like you want to keep that. We're taking that. I want y'all to just see the scenario. Just, just plunge into this scenario right here and see what's going on. That Benadad, I mean, he's not playing any games. I mean, he's like, I'm coming to get your stuff and everything you like. I mean, you got to think. He said, everything that uh, is pleasant in your eyes. Now, Ahab had already agreed to give up his wife's children's money as if that wasn't pleasant in his eyes. Because now he says, I'm going to take whatever's pleasant in your eyes. Because you gave in already. Now notice, notice this. Notice this. This is what I want you to see here. In verse 7. Verse 7. So the king of Israel called all the elders of the land and said, Notice please, and see how this man seeks trouble. Oh, he's seeking trouble. For, now it wasn't, now he's saying what, what this additional request is trouble. Y'all got to see this. You got to see what he's saying. He said, for he sent to me for my wives, my children, my silver, my gold, and I did not deny him. In other words, that was no trouble. I want you to see what kind of man this is. As, as a matter of fact, uh, he, he was, when I looked up Ahab, Ahab, you, you look up uh, in, the, in the Hebrew, you kind of study him out, and it referred to how he was, um, let me just say, he was a weak man to begin with. You know why I spend time in men's ministry? It's because I hate seeing weak men. Now y'all men just look straight ahead. I hate seeing weak, yellow belly sap sucker, no vertebrate men. Y'all just look straight ahead. I hate seeing weak men. One time I talked to men on, on a, uh, one Saturday, I taught something called uh, lions and lambs. I remember that? How as a man you got to know how to be a lion and when to be a lamb. There are times you got to be a lamb and know how to, how to be soft and gentle and, and, and so on and so forth. But you got to know how to be a lion, too, when you need to be a lion, because you can't, if you if you always a lamb, you're going to get run over. I can't get any witnesses here. Men, you can't always be a lamb. You got to know how to be a lion. You got to know how to be strong and when to be strong. And Ahab was a weak man. See how easily he gave in to, to Ben Hadad? But he had practice at it. Because he was married to a woman named Jezebel. And this woman named Jezebel, she was a, a dominating woman, a domineering woman, I should say, who she wore the britches in the family. Y'all ain't saying much. Just look straight ahead. She told Ahab what we're going to do. 
Matter of fact, I think it's the next chapter or so you see where Ahab, he wanted this particular uh, vineyard and uh, he, he couldn't get it and he'd come home crying. She like, Ahab, what's wrong with you? He like, I want, I want that vineyard and he won't, he won't sell it to me. He won't sell it to you. She snapped her finger, all that kind of stuff. She said, you wait right here. I'm going to go get that vineyard for you. And she went, had, had the owner of the vineyard killed, came back and said, you got your vineyard now. Oh, baby, you so sweet. You so wonderful. He was used to being uh, run over. He was, watch this word, henpecked. Y'all don't like that. Henpecked. Now, hens aren't supposed to peck. Roosters supposed to peck. They're, they call it a pecking order of roosters. Not the hens. And oh my God. And what we find has happened in our society in America is we've got a lot of hen pecked men in the earth. That all of a sudden the women are running everything. Y'all just don't, don't get upset. Don't get upset. Women are running everything, and now the men are always taking the background, and now, now we got, you know, everybody, Black Lives Matter. Well, that's all about three, three hens. There's three hens that run that. And they got all the men cowing down to them. Oh, what y'all say? What y'all say? It's three hens. We're going to follow the hens around. Now you got all these men, men marching to the hens. The hens tell us what to do. The hens tell us what to do. The hens. It's three hens running that. Lesbian hens, by the matter of fact. Witches. Matter of fact, matter of fact, in 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 uh, let me give you this. In 2 Kings 9:22. Give me 2 Kings 9:22. Because there's a description given for Jezebel in 2 Kings 9:22. Give, give me that. 2 Kings, 2 Kings 9. Verse 22, now it happened when Joram saw Jehu that he said, is it peace, Jehu? And he, this Jehu is, is, is Jezebel's son. So he answered, what peace? As long as the harlotries of your mother, Jezebel, and her witchcraft are so many. Give me that in the King James. Give me that in the King James. Give me that in the King James. Can't be no peace. When, um, y'all got King James back there? The whoredoms of your mother and her witchcrafts are so many. So the Bible here describes her as a whore and a witch. Should I quit? The Jezebel spirit is a whoredom witch spirit. That's what's covering the nation right now. It's a whoredom witchcraft spirit seducing, breaking men down. Where God called men. I know I got a lot of feminist people that are watching all that kind of stuff, but God is not feminist. God said the head of Christ is God, the head of the man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man. It's still, it's still true in 2020. Now, I know I got to look down when I say it. It's still, but 2020 is still the same. But you had Ahab who, did, who could never stand up to his wife. His wife got to choose. His wife told everything. Usually, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. This is what we buying. This is what we eating. This is what we're driving. This is what we do. Woman did everything. The man said, well, okay, baby. And there's a word. When you look it up in, in the Hebrew, Ahab, this, this word I learned is this, this, this is a, a, a college word here, uh, brother, brother James. This is one of those, I have to get Brother James to read this. This word is called, the word is uxorious. Uxorious. Put it on the screen. I think I sent it to the media. Uxorious. That's like, that's a SAT word. I've never seen that word in my whole life. Uxorious. This is how it describes Ahab. It says, having or showing an excessive or submissive fondness for one's wife. I, I probably won't finish my message deep, so y'all just have security ready for me. It, 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 having or showing an excessive or submissive fondness for one's wife. So here's how it looks. Because the men act like the women, the wife, is the prize. 
Babe, I'm just so glad to have you. If I ain't, if I ain't have you, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Y'all don't like it, so I'm going to just keep preaching. Baby, if I ain't have you in my life, I could make it without you. I could make it without you. Shut up and put your pants back on. Brother, get up. Now, it's true that a wife, a good wife, when you find a good wife, you find a good thing, you obtain favor from the Lord. But don't become excessive in your fondness. Excessive in your submissiveness, your submission. The Bible never called for the wife, for the husband. Y'all ain't saying Never, Never called for the, y'all ain't saying that. Y'all mad, I don't care. It never called for the wife, for the husband to submit to the wife. The Bible commands twice for the wives to submit to their own husbands as it's fitting in the Lord. It's still 2020, and the Bible's still right. And when you get that out of order, you have an imbalanced relationship and women who are usually irrational. Man, wives don't like this here. Wives who are usually emotional, and that's the way God created you. He wants you that way. That's so why the Bible told husbands to honor your wives as the weaker vessels. Not because she, she might be able to power lift more than you, but it's talking about emotionally. She's weaker. It's just the way God made her. You don't want no hard woman. Right? I mean, you child, child bruise their, their knee. They go to mom. Mom says, Get your butter. No, child bruise and they ain't go to mama because the mama's gonna want is gonna come on, baby. Come on, baby. Right? That's what that's just the way it is. Daddy wanna say, man, you better get up and go back out there and play. How do I know? Remember, remember in in, in, in Second Kings, I believe it's chapter four, you had a, a Shunamite woman. Shunamite woman had a child, his little son, and that son got sick. He, the son was out in the field with the dad working, Second Kings, right? And the child said, Dad, my head, my head. Dad, what did daddy say? Go see your mama. That's exactly what, it, what the daddy said. Go see your mama. Because that's what men, we just got to do that. Go see your mama, Joe. Dad, my eyeball falling out. Go see your mama. Your mama will take care of you. Mama. <laughs> right? Right? Because women are tender, tender. I mean, that's why the Bible had, has to tell husbands, husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter towards them. Has, the Bible has to tell men that. Because men aren't generally tender. You get a man that's too tender, And he will be excessively and in submission because of his fondness. Oh, baby, you saved my world. I'll pay your rent. I'll buy your clothes. I'll cook your dinner, too. I'll make your bath water for you when you get home. I'll do everything for you, baby. Whatever food you like. <laughs> Baby, whatever, whatever. Now y'all laugh, but this is Ahab. And then just ain't Ahab, that's why it's so quiet in this church. Because we got a problem in our world of men who are uxorious. And so if that man doesn't stand up to his wife, how in the world is he going to stand up to a devil who's going to come and pull no punches with him? Now, I'm, let, me just, let me just make this clear. I'm not advocating men, you become brutal, these brutes, this toxic masculinity that you just, no, that's not, you, you know I ain't telling you that. You've never seen me demonstrate that to you. 
The Bible tells you, men, you got to dwell with your wives with understanding. I got I to gotta get some understanding. But I got to know. No, no. I got to take the charge. Uh, this weight is on my shoulders. It ain't for you to figure out the bills. It ain't for you to figure out how we're going to feed these children and buy shoes. It ain't for you to figure out. It's, it's on me. Yeah, but I'm, God gave me a smart woman. She's so smart, and I don't know how you was paying bills when you was single. How you ate before you got married? Now, all of a sudden, you can't figure out how you're going to eat. See, what happens, you get over this, and now, your wife, I'm sure she's a wonderful woman. She's on your side, but the devil's not. So when the devil comes at you, he's going to come and try to take everything you have. And notice what we read, and go back to 1 Kings 20 and verse 7, because, because what, what, what uh, Ahab said was, with this man trying to start trouble, he said, he sent for my wives, my children, my silver, my gold, and he said, and I did not deny him. He said, I did not deny him. This guy said, y'all, y'all said it. I did not deny. And, and so the trouble for him, now he sees his trouble because now he's coming for more than he originally asked for. And the reason he's coming back for more, that's what, that's what, what, what they got to see, Chris. The reason he's coming back for more is because you didn't deny him on the first one. So if you give in at the first, he's coming for some more. Tell your neighbor, he's coming back for some more. You have to deny him. You give him an inch, come on. It's going to take a mile. See, and what's happened is people have made, made too many uh, uh, allowances for the enemy. People have uh, already uh, made too many concessions to the enemy. It did not deny him. I did not deny him. I let him come and get it. I mean, because he'll start with, okay, uh, <laughs> I just had a funny thought. Because I was going to say, he'll start with, you know, you trying to take your job. Then all of a sudden, this video came to my mind. You were about to lose your job. <laughs> you were about to lose your job. Because you are detaining me for nothing. It's a, it's a video, YouTube. Just, you got to stay off YouTube because there's just so many funny things out there. Just, <laughs> the things that people do when they are high or drunk or just. So what I'm saying is the devil, if he comes and you let him take the little thing and just, I mean, just, just concede it to him. He's not going to stop. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, I was, I was counseled with a couple and going through a marital difficulty. And I said, you think all the devil wants is your marriage? You think that's his end goal is just to end your marriage? He's after your life. That's exactly what I told him, sure. I said, he's after your life. If you just willingly deny or don't deny him and just give up your marriage, well, he's going to say, well, what else am I going to get? I'm going to come, I'm gonna come get the children. I'm going to come. When he's done, I'm coming to get your life. See, because whatever you concede creates um, a confidence for the enemy. Are y'all hearing that? You know, it's, it's, it's like, like a team in sports. You know, Elder Baker, you, if, if, if you beat a team one time, the next time you play them, you already go in thinking, I'm going to beat y'all again. And all right, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're just going to beat y'all again. You expect it. So if the devil beats us or 
here, here's, here's what I really want you to get because, because Ahab didn't put up a fight. He said, I did not deny him. So, so, so uh, I told you a moment ago, people are, everybody's, you know, you got to be careful that you've not made too many concessions already. It made me think about concession speeches. And right now, everybody's waiting, not everybody, but many people across the country and the world are waiting on uh, President Trump to make a concession speech over the, the, the November 3rd election. And, and here's the reality. Um, President Trump might be off the wall in some stuff. <laughs> but he's not stupid. You don't become a billionaire by being stupid. He knows the laws. And so much so, before the election, uh, former um, first lady and former senator and former secretary of state uh, Hillary Clinton and former presidential candidate Hillary Clinton advised former vice president Joe Biden. She, her words to him were, whatever you do, do not concede the election. Those are her words. Those are her instructions. That was her warning to him. Mr. Mr. Vice President, whatever you do, this is before the election, do not concede the election. What does that mean? That means, uh, you know, we have in, this, in America this tradition of what we call a concession speech. I'll write about this. So when, when people run for president or any, any election, the, lose, the, the projected loser usually gives what's called a concession speech, which is a white flag. It's not mandatory. It's not law. It's a tradition. Y'all listen to this. It's a tradition. You don't have to do it. The moment you do it, what you're saying is, I give up. when you make a concession speech. I'm going to show you all something in a minute. So when you make a concession speech, you're saying uh, the race is over no matter what it looks like. You can stop counting. You can stop tabulating. You can stop doing all that kind of stuff. I'm done. So uh, Hillary Clinton's advice was, whatever you do, do not concede the election. It tells me that they had something up their sleeves. She said, do not concede. Okay? Um, so now that the election is over, or at least election night is over, President Trump has not conceded. And he's not going to. Why? Because he knows that the moment he concedes, it's officially over. <laughs> Some of y'all get nervous. But it's all right. Because I told you this back in March. I preach a message called preparing for a showdown. There was going to be a battle of the prophets. I told you this back in April. <laughs> prophets of Baal versus the prophets of God. And see, most of the prophets throughout America and through the world prophesied that Trump would be reelected. But the media prophesied that Joe Biden would win. Well, who was right? Well, obviously, the media was right because that's what happened. And, and they prophesied it before the election. And as of the election, they prophesied he won. That's why right now, Joe Biden is still called by media the projected winner. Projected winner. But you know, media doesn't have the authority to declare the winner. He's the projected winner. And so what the hope is, is that everybody just simply gives in, quits, and th their hope is that the president simply concedes. 
Now, regardless of how you or I feel about him or feel about the election, I'm just explaining to you facts, how things happen, how the system works. So they hope that he will concede because if he concedes, then all the dogs are called off, all the legal things are done. And the reality of it is the election is never over until all the uh, votes have been certified. We're talking about December 8th until they're even certified. Some of y'all remember Al Gore was projected the winner back in 2000. Name the next president. He was named president-elect. How many of y'all know Al Gore never served as president? So it's never over. Right, you follow what I'm saying to you? And so people in the church are, are they are ridiculing all the prophets in the church. Ridiculing the prophets. In the church, ridiculing the prophets. You go on YouTube, they're ridiculing the prophets openly. Ridiculing God's prophets in the church. <laughs> they're saying you must be wrong. <laughs> they're not wrong. The prophets aren't wrong. God's prophets are never wrong. Just, just throwing that out in there for you. Just, God's prophets are never wrong. God's prophets are never wrong. Now, my point to you is that the president has not consented or conceded, which he does not has not given a concession speech. And I said all that to say this, that the problem with too many people in the body of Christ is that we constantly use concession speech. Our talk says we've given in to the enemy. Did y'all catch all that? Don't, don't, don't be mad at what I said about Trump and all that kind of stuff. Don't, don't, I'm talking about you and me. You and me, I'm talking about the fact that the devil, he keeps coming, he keeps saying, he keeps doing things, and we, if we're not careful, we use concession speech to let him have his way. My marriage ain't ever going to work out. That's concession speech. I'm going to always be broke. That's concession speech. Man, every time, every time December comes around, I have the same old pain, the same old feeling. I get the same old, same old sickness come around. That's concession speech. You are conceding to the enemy. You're saying, you got it, you got it, you got it, you got it. Did you catch all that? I know I took y'all a long way around, but I'm just trying to make a point to you and me that, that our speech, uh, oh, God. Um, when Peter was called out, you know, Peter told Jesus, I will never deny you. I will never deny you. I will never deny you. And what happened? He denied him. As soon as the heat came on, he denied him. I don't know the man. Bleep, 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 I don't know the man. Y'all remember he got a little salty in his language, right? Like, I don't know the man. Bleep, 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 blank, blank. And he tried to deny it, and one lady told him, he, she said, he said, Peter, your speech betrays you. He's, you say you don't know him, but your speech betrays you. Your speech tells on you. Your speech tells what's really in your heart. So what has happened is too many people in the body of Christ have already made concession speeches. We've called the race off in our own lives and allow the devil to come in and take what he want to take, do what he wants to do, have whatever he wants to have because we have already made our concession speech. You got it? Whereas saying things like, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. See, that's saying, no, I'm still in this race. See, right now, all the odds in the world look like they are against the president. 
That's why everybody said, just throw in the towel, man. You can't win this thing. There's no path to victory. There's no path to victory. First of all, yeah, there is. But they said there's no path to victory. Just throw in the towel. So it's the same thing you and I have to do when all the odds are against us. What do you do when all the odds are against you? It's already too late. We've already signed a divorce. We've already, already, they've already said they're coming to take the house. They're already coming to take the car. They already, I mean, when everything is already against you, when they've already said it's stage four, you got 16 weeks to live. What do you do when all the odds are already against you? Do you simply give in and say, okay, I'm only going to live 16 more weeks? No, take your concession speech out, rip it up. And only speak what God's word tells you to speak. Hallelujah. No, I'm not going to sit here and not deny the devil. I'm going to deny him. No, you can't have my wife. You can't have my children. You can't have my family. You can't have my health. You can't have the ministry. You can't have the city. You can't have the nation. No, I don't give you anything, devil. He said I did not deny him. Let me, let me close right here. Right, we'll, we'll pick it up Wednesday night. Glory to God. Give me Psalm 141 verse 3, please. Psalm 141 verse 3. Oh, my God, I got so far to go. I'll pick it up Wednesday. Psalm 141 verse 3. This is, I threw a curveball to the media team. They didn't have this one. This, this, watch this. Watch what the psalmist says. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. In other words, God, help me to stop making concession speeches. To stop speaking my own demise. To stop agreeing with what the devil is saying to me. To, 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 to stop agreeing with the scenario. You know, it can look the worst it could possibly look and God still have a plan to get you out of it. Has anybody ever been there where it looked totally, totally impossible and somehow God got you out of it? The only way he did was because you, didn't never, you never made your concession speech. You started speaking what God's word said. You went and found a promise in God's word and you start declaring what thus says the Lord. And when you spoke what thus says the Lord, the Lord of hosts began to fight for you, began to fight on your behalf, and he brought you out, delivered you, and set you up right. So I got to set a guard over my mouth. Glory to God. Give me Proverbs 30. It's in the King James, please. King James media. Proverbs 30, verse 22. <laughs> I heard Brother Bill Winston use this this morning, man. I said, boy, that's powerful. Proverbs 30 and verse 22 in the King James Version. You got to put it that way. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just shout hallelujah one good time. Thank you, Lord. That's 32, verse 32 rather. I'm sorry, not 22, 32. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil, lay your hand on your mouth. Now, this is what I'm trying to get everybody to see here. Remember this, the devil's the prince of the power of the air. So what he's doing is trying to fill the air and the atmosphere up to get you to think evil thoughts. And if he gets those thoughts in your mind, put your hand over your mouth. The Bible says, take no, Jesus said, take no thought, Matthew 6, 25 and 6, 31 in, in the King James. Take no thought, saying. So the way you take a thought is by saying. So when an evil thought comes into your mind, put your hand on your mouth. Mm -mm. Don't say what you think until you start thinking on the word of God. Because the devil wants to fill up your mind with evil thoughts. To fill up your, your, your feed, your Instagram feed, your YouTube feed, your 
Facebook feed, your whatever feed, feed, everything you feed on, your news feed with all kind of evil and bad news and bad reports and bad prophecies and everything like that to get you to feed on that and get those thoughts in your mind because if you get those thoughts in your mind as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And if you begin to get those thoughts in your mind and begin to speak those thoughts, now he can act on them. He can't act until you speak. He can't move until you speak. God or Satan. Y'all better catch that. God or Satan. God can't move till you speak. Nor can Satan move till you speak. So you have to, when those evil thoughts come, Cover your mouth. You might need a mask on when those evil thoughts come. I'm just telling you, whatever it takes to keep you from speaking the evil, because the devil is trying to get you to conceive. You can have my family. All right. All right, you can have my marriage. And nothing I can do about it. And nothing I can do about it. That's what people say. Well, ain't nothing I can do about it. Ain't nothing you can do about it. You are an ambassador. Oh, my God. Give me a scripture here. Matthew. Matthew. Let me just, let me just wrap this up here. Matthew 18 and verse 18. Give it to me in the, uh, the CEV, please. Matthew 18, verse 18. Give it to me in the CEV. Ain't nothing I can do. Well, nothing I can do. And nothing I can do now. It's too late now. What? Matthew 18, verse 18. And hopefully we have the CEV back there. Check this out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I promise you, God in heaven will allow whatever you allow on earth, but God will not allow anything you don't allow. Are you catching this here? So to say, and nothing I can do about it, you're denying your authority and the power God has already given you on this earth. That whatever you allow or disallow by your mouth is by your mouth, whatever you allow or disallow, God's going to back you up. So if you say it's not going to turn out like this, then, there it is. You, you now have God backing you up. It ain't going to turn out like that. So when the devil's coming against you to take, to steal, to kill, and destroy, and you say, no, I'm not going to have that. Now God backs you up, and it doesn't matter if he's already got it hooked up to his trailer and, and going down the road with it. Whatever your stuff is, whatever your thing is, whatever your thought is, if he already got it hitched up to his trailer going down the road, and you look at it like, bye, wow, 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 don't say bye. Say, I'll see you later. <laughs> oh, my God. Let me finish up here. Let me finish up here. Ahab did, did not deny him. Give me James 4, verse 7. I'll close right there. I got several more scriptures, but I'll just I'll skip those. And do this one. James 4, verse 7. You can go back to New King James. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nobody's mad at me, are you? No. Wives, y'all aren't mad at me, are you? No. Potential wives, you're not mad at me, are you? Potential. Okay. Husbands, you're not mad at me, are you? No. Okay. Just telling you, man, you can't be no sorry man. Put the pants back on. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. See, Ahab put up no resistance. You know why? He wasn't submitted to God.
Remember I told you last week, he was an idol worshiper. He had put everything else before God. And you know how he got there? You know, y'all know how he got there, right? His wife, Jezebel. That whore and a witch. That's what the Bible called her. No, I'm, I'm not. The Bible called her a whore and a witch. Got her out, got him out there worshiping idol gods. And so now he has no resistance to the enemy. So you got to be careful what you get yourself uh, involved in. What entertainment you put in front of your eyes. What you, are, what you align yourself with. Because it's, 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 it's a whoredom, witchcraft, sorcery spirit. And I'm not just talking about a man looking at a woman. Because there, you can, you can, you can get, uh, become a whore for money. I'm talking, I'm, talking, I'm talking about whoring after money. That's what God said all the time about the children of Israel. He said, he, in the King James, he says, you go a whoring after other gods. You put anything else ahead of God, and God says, you're, you're a whoring after it. And this seducing spirit from the enemy Witchcraft spirit, sorcery spirit is meant to pull you and draw you out from the things of God. And now you have no defense, no resistance to the devil. So he can come in and pick off your kids. He'll come in and he'll mess with your finances. Well, you know, well, the economy's down. What they got to do with you with the economy being down? You in the kingdom, there's no, no such thing as a down economy for the kingdom. It's the kingdom. God's got a limited supply in the kingdom. Well, you know, it's, it's, things have kind of changed. That has nothing to do with you. See, but if you think that, and then you speak that, you've made a concession speech, now he comes, and he'll have all your little money. Take your job. Next thing you know, your car breaks down. Then your best shoes, the heel falls off your best shoes. I mean, I'm just saying, he just, he just keeps on going. Because if I don't resist him, he's not going to flee. He'll hang around and keep going until I'm utterly destroyed. That's his goal. So all I got to do is start submitting myself to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from me. Tell your neighbors, a neighbor, no more concession speeches. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care if the odds are against you. I don't care if it looks like, looks like you're about to die next week. And your finances, no more concession speeches. Well, I tried to get a loan. They said I couldn't get a loan, so I guess I'll never have a house. What? That's a concession speech. God, I'll give you a house. Talk about God. Come on. I didn't get approved for my disability, so I don't know how I'm going to have my rent. What, 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 what? That's a concession speech. My child gone. He say he'll never want to come back no more. I guess... Guess I'll never see him again. That's a concession speech. Let me tell you, like, like I, I used to hear people of faith talk about, you had a child left home, you know what that mama would do? Every time they set the table for dinner, is they'll set a plate. Just, you set a plate. What's that extra plate for? That's for Junebug, he coming back. My son's going to come home. My daughter's going to come home. See, don't make concession speeches. Come back Wednesday night. I'll talk about don't listen to the devil. Is that all right? Give God a praise if you receive that word today. That's all the time I have. Come on, give God a great praise if you receive that word. Hallelujah.
media, give me Revelation 2, 20 and 21. Revelation 2, verse 20 and 21. Because that Jezebel spirit is serious. Revelation 2, verse 20 and 21. Jesus talking to the churches here. He said, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. This is Thyatira, right? I think it is. He says, because you allow that woman Jezebel, that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. She calls herself to teach and seduce my servants. Here it is. To commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. That's the same spirit that's working throughout the earth today. And, watch this, in the church. What, what, what does, I, I, I don't want to use the wrong words. What bothers me is watching pastors, bishops, apostles, prophets getting caught up and sexual morality and idol worship. And it's happening throughout the body of Christ. It's almost weekly you hear about some pastor. I mean, this is just seems like some leader. What happens in the pews too? Well, I know what happens in the pews. But the news don't put what happens in the pews on the, on the TV. What the news broadcasts, what they air, what happens in the pulpit. And generally, if it happens in the pulpit, you almost guarantee this happened in the pews of that church. It's a Jezebel spirit. Whoredom, harlotry, witchcraft. Look at verse 21. Verse 21. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Isn't that wonderful, the grace of God, the mercy of God? That He said, I, I gave Jezebel time to repent. Because as, as horrible as she was and as horrible as that spirit is throughout the church, he said, I give him time to repent because I don't want him to die and go to hell. I, don't, I, want, him, I want him to be saved. All the problem is she wouldn't. Because the seducing spirit takes a person to a place where they're captive and can't get out. Because here's, here's what it is. Because they didn't deny Satan when he came with the first. And if you don't deny him at the first, he's going to come back with some more. He's going to get your honesty. He's going to go after your integrity. He's going to go after your dignity. And he takes your life. And God doesn't want that to happen to us. Amen. So I'm never going to give in to the devil anymore for anything in my life. Y'all receive that word today? Thank you, Jesus. 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 I'm giving up no more ground. I'm giving no more place to the devil. I'm giving no more room in my life. He can't take anything. I have anything else in my life and everything he's already taken, I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get my joy back from this year. Get my peace back from this year. I'm going to build my faith back up from this year. I'm going to get my life back restored. Somebody's going to get that walk you had with Jesus before. You had a close walk and you lost it. You're going to get it back this year. You're going to get it back. You're going to take it all back from the enemy. The devil wants you to concede. Somebody listen to me online here. The devil does. There's two forces at work when you sin. One is conviction. I'm talking about if you're born again. One is conviction and one is condemnation. One is from Father God, the Holy Ghost, conviction. The other is condemnation and it's from the enemy. That conviction comes to say, hey, you blew it. 
I love you. Come back. Let's get this thing right. Condemnation comes when the enemy says, hey, you blew it. You might as well keep on going, doing what you're doing. Go ahead and wallow in it. You got to make sure you don't listen to the devil with his condemnation. And say, no, okay. God, I'm sorry. I blew it. Your word said that if I sin, if I confess my sins to you, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and then cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So I won't have any condemnation in my life. Thank you for your conviction. I'm not going to concede and just walk away from my salvation. Because that's what the devil wants, is to get you to concede and walk away from your salvation. Uh, as they used to say in the old days, lay down your religion. But we don't do that. We continue to walk and go forward in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Lord, today, thank you so much for the word. Thank you so much, Father, for the example that we see in the word of what not to do. <laughs> so many times we see things to do in the word, but God, we see here through Ahab's life what not to do, how not to respond when the enemy comes against us to take things from us. We know that, Father, the enemy, the thief, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He's not satisfied just at stealing. He's not satisfied just at taking something from us, but he's after our very lives. So, Father, today I ask that for these, your people, we would have the sort of resolve in our hearts that will not allow us to concede this race to the enemy, to declare the enemy has won. No, no. God, your word says that, God, you always give us the victory. Your word says, Father, that you always cause us to triumph. And so no matter how it looks, even if we're down, Lord, it's the fourth quarter, two minutes left, Father, we're down by 40 points. It doesn't matter to you, God. Lord, in one instance, you can get us out. God, you can make up all the time and no time. God, we thank you that, God, we're not too far off. It's not too far gone, God. We're not past the time, oh, God. Lord, your word says among the living, there is hope. It's better to be a live dog than a dead lion. For God, among the living, there is hope. So God, I pray for every one of these, my brothers and my sisters right now in this place, that no matter what stage they're in, stage for depression, stage for cancer, stage for poverty, stage for, Lord, in marriage, stage for whatever the negative situation is in their lives, that God, you redeem them, redeem their lives from destruction, bring them back from the brink of total destruction. And God, we trust you that Lord, just like once the word came to Ahab and he did it, you came through for Ahab who wasn't even serving you. You came through for Ahab who wasn't even a worshiper of yours. You came through for Ahab who wasn't loyal to you. God, what more will you do for us who worship you and serve you, whose hearts are loyal to you. I know you said in your word that your eyes go to and fro throughout the earth. You said you're looking to show yourself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to you. That's what you told King Asa. So Lord, our hearts today are loyal to you. We know that in the nick of time, you will come through. You will come through. So we declare our victory. We declare our victory. We declare our victory today in the name of Jesus. So be it. Amen and amen. All the victorious people, give God a shout of praise right now. No, you have the victory. Hallelujah.